Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Hi there. I've got a little surprise for you for the next four episodes. I'm coming to you solo and I'm bringing a four-part series to you on confidence. A lot of my clients, a lot of women I come into contact with, confidence seems to not be as high as they would like it to be. So I'm just going to share some you know, some pearls of wisdom from my own experiences with not always feeling confident and also how I've helped some of my clients as well. So what what I'm going to do, this is the, there's going to be four parts in the series. This is the first part and I'm going to be looking at what confidence is and especially that big one about imposter syndrome. So we'll dive into that today. In the next episodes, I'm going to be talking about the confidence to be you, to so embracing authenticity. And if you've been following me, you know, I talk about that a lot. So I'm going to dive into that in a podcast ep. Also about navigating life transitions and building resilience. And the fourth one will be about body positivity, aging, and just building lifelong confidence. So probably the first thing to think about is like what is confidence we hear it a lot there's a lot of people out there that don't feel confident in a lot of areas of life there's a lot of people out there that feel really confident so it's really about that inner that belief that we have about ourselves and our abilities even about the trust we have in ourselves about decisions and judgments that we make in life at And it's kind of that, it's a driving force behind our actions, behind what we do, or probably what we don't do. It can help us to step in and take risks. It can prevent us from, it can keep us, you know, that perception of safe, (laughs) which is probably not really keeping us safe. And it's also about even the image that we hold of ourselves, that that self-image. But the good thing is it's not static. It's it, It doesn't mean if you're not feeling confident now or if there's areas of life where you're not feeling confident, it doesn't mean that that's how it has to be forever. If we nurture ourselves and our um, confidence we can actually strengthen we can really strengthen it and a lot of that it's through self-awareness for me is a really big key 
just a big key in everything, kind of, but a big key in why do we feel confident sometimes but not others? And it's also about practicing and becoming more confident. And it's about stretching that confidence muscle, that it really is building the confidence muscle and the courage muscle to to do the things that you're wanting to do. And so what I'm going to do through this episode is to just share some of the, I guess, why we don't feel confident in certain areas. Going to really talk about that imposter syndrome and also some tips where how you can boost your confidence and also to manage that imposter syndrome. So sometimes we hear confidence, we hear self-esteem, we hear them used interchangeably, they're they're the same, same, but different. The confidence is the belief that you have in your abilities, the confidence that you have in yourself, how you see yourself, where self-esteem is the broader sense of self-worth and your value as a person. And I guess that underpins confidence. They definitely relate to each other and they impact each other. So for me, they're not exactly the same, confidence and self-esteem, but they're close cousins. And so if you don't feel good about yourself or that you're not deserving of certain things in life, of course, that's going to affect your confidence. If you've experienced setbacks and not feeling good about things, of course, that's going to affect your confidence. But if you are feeling confident, that can also help you to feel better about yourself and your value and your self-worth. So it's kind of uh, one of those things, which is the the chicken or the egg. They're definitely related. They're, they're definitely related and they underpin each other. I don't know if that's the right thing that I'm saying, but hopefully you get what I mean. And do you know what I find also? A lot of women confuse assertiveness and confidence and being aggressive and overpowering, they they often say to me, oh, I don't want to be too confident because I don't want to be seen as bossy or aggressive is the word that they use a lot with me. So I don't want to be too confident. I don't want to be seen to be too confident because then I come across as being cocky and a smart ass kind of things. So it's almost like this limiting belief that they have about themselves as to what confidence actually means. Confidence for me is about believing in who you are. It's about knowing what you stand for and what you want in life. And it's about how you're showing up in life. To me, that's not a, a, about aggressive. Sure, you can have aggressive, you can be aggressive, but that's a different thing than confidence for me anyway. So for confidence is about being clear what you want and that's what being assertive is. If you're clear about what you want and pursuing what you want, that's about being assertive. But people, especially some women that I work with, they get the perception is that if they are pursuing what they want, then that's being a bad thing. I mean, you can come across as an arsehole in how you do it. That's not a good thing. Oh my gosh, that was the dog alarm. Sorry. They, it's really windy here in Canberra at the moment and the bins blew over. So the dogs had to let me know that that was happening. Anyway, where was I? About 
you can be confident and you can come across as a bit of a dick and, and arrogant around that. I think that's what a lot of women say. They don't want to be seen as being arrogant. You can be confident and not arrogant at all because when you are clear about who you are, how you want to show up, what you want in life and pursue that, you can do that in a way that's not arrogant. So I think it's about those stories that we're telling us ourselves about what does being confident actually mean. So maybe one of the things you can, if you're looking for some takeaways, maybe that's one of the things that you can do is what does confidence actually mean to you? What does it mean versus self-esteem? What does it mean in being arrogant? Are you being arrogant by being confident? Just what those stories are that you're telling yourself, because that'll be lots and lots of insights as to what role confidence plays in your life. Journal, for those of you, really powerful. Just journal on that. And also, I'd be really interested too in comments. Engage in the conversation here. Don't just listen to the podcast, but engage in the conversation around what does confidence mean to you? Then we've got that element of it, which is the imposter syndrome. And we hear that lots and lots and lots and lots and maybe too much. I don't know. I have a funny relationship with that term, imposter syndrome. I have a different perspective on it. And anyway, that'll come out as the more I'm chatting with you. So what the imposter syndrome is, and it was a term that was given, I think, in the 70s or something, but it's a psychological pattern where despite any evidence we doubt ourselves and we have this running fear that people will find out that we really don't know as much or what we think, what the, what we're talking about. And we fear that we're going to be exposed as a fake or a fraud. And it can be a really, it can be just like a little bit of a or self-doubt or it can be really, really debilitating. I've seen it with a lot of clients that I work with, women in very senior roles as well, it can be quite debilitating for them. So it shows up in some different ways and it doesn't show up the same for all of us or even all the time. Doesn't It's not consistent in how it shows up for us. Some of you may relate to this, the perfectionist. We've had, had a podcast chat about this earlier in the piece as well. The perfectionist. So setting those impossibly high standards for yourself, like impossibly high, ones that you would never set for anybody else and ones that you can't even achieve. They're just ridiculous. So the perfectionist, we have the superwoman. So the superwoman tirelessly, tirelessly trying to prove her self-worth, like doing everything just to show people that they are more than capable. We have the expert they need to know everything before they feel incompetent. They really need to feel like they're an expert above and beyond what they really need to, to feel that they're competent. The soloist, they're the ones who are hesitant or even avoid, like they're, they're hesitant to do something. They don't like asking for help and they don't generally like working with or collaborating with others because they might if they keep to themselves, they won't be found out. And then there's another one that I've added is the magician. <laughs> I reckon this is probably me. They have this disappearing act <laughs> that they stop themselves from being visible. They hold themselves back. Each of these <laughs> ways that the imposter syndrome kind of manifests, we're our own worst enemies around this. And it's a protection mechanism. We do these things to protect us and 
um, so people won't find out that we're that we're not as good as we think they think we should be. And and I see each of these playing out. Like I I experience these. I experience these, all of these, but they play out with so many of the women that I know and women that I work with as well. And it's not just in, it's not like this blanket imposter syndrome that every area of life, although some people do feel like that, but it's often in certain areas of life or for certain periods of time that they feel these, that they experience that they're going to get found out. And it's often people who, men and women, in senior roles, and when we look at them, we see them as being very, very competent, but they don't see that in themselves, that they really feel that they're going to get found out, that they've got to where they are, that people think they've got to where they are based on something other than their own merits. I, I went to see Jacinda Ardern, who was the former Prime Minister of New Zealand, when saw her a couple of weeks ago talking very, very, very inspiring and she was talking about suffering from imposter syndrome, that that was a major thing for her because she entered politics and parliament at a very young age. And it was almost this feeling that she had to prove herself, even though she knew she didn't. There was a part, there was a kind of a program running that she felt that she did have to prove herself, that she was had to go above and beyond because she felt that people were questioning her. Now, some people were questioning her, but she said a lot of people weren't. It was her interpretations of what she thought was happening. And and I see a lot of women in all areas of life, particularly in the workplace, suffering. And I deliberately use that word suffering because it's causing them pain. The, The imposter syndrome, they're suffering from this imposter syndrome. Some people are just experiencing it and not suffering, but a lot of the women are really, it it becomes quite debilitating for them and it holds them back and it causes a lot of stress and anxiety in their lives. They are the super women and they're putting a gazillion percent into everything to prove that they are good at what they do. They're working long hours, they're they're taking on extra projects, they do the stuff that others don't want to do. They're balancing work relationships, family, life, often aging parents. A lot of the the people I'm working with at the moment have that aging parents. Some of them have aging parents and small children. Some of them have got small children. Some of them have got just busyness of life. And they're trying to do everything in fear that they're not doing a good enough job. And they're burning themselves out. And I think one of the really key things is that they can't see how great they are. They really can't see how fantastic they are without having to prove themselves on top of it. And I see the magician at play a lot, that the the women are really holding themselves back for some opportunities, some great opportunities, because they fear that they won't do it well enough. You know that there's anecdotal studies around about if women are applying for a job, they won't go for it if they can't do, if they can only do nine out of the 10 things the selection on the selection documentation. They don't want to apply for it where blokes, if they can do two of them, they'll go, yeah, I'm, I'll give it a crack. I'm not sure if that's as true as true, but 
women certainly that I've worked with, they feel that they have to be super competent to be able to go for that next level in work. And I see a lot of women at that sort of middle to senior management holding themselves back for things because they go, yeah, I don't think I can, I'll do a good enough job. That's BS. They will absolutely do a fantastic job. And and then even things where I see that magician happening as well is in even meetings in the workplace where a lot of people won't say the thing that they want to say because they're worried that others will think it's stupid or that it'll be a, you know, dumb idea. So they don't voice their opinions. And then somebody else says the thing that they're thinking about and everybody loves it. And it's, then they, the, the women kick themselves going, well, why didn't I say that? Because everybody loves that idea. And why am I holding myself back and not saying it? I mean, that's happened to me lots, so much where I've gone, oh, I'm not going to say that because people think it's stupid. And then somebody else says the thing and it's just like, oh, damn you person. Like I was thinking that idea before you were, but I never said it. So yeah, but I guess on the flip side of that, I've also worked with people that just say lots of random shit and it's kind of like, yeah, you need to zip your lips now. But anyway, I digress. So the imposter syndrome can really impact us. And I guess I'm starting to to get there. There've been oodles of studies. There've been oodles of studies that, that show a large portion of people, both men and women, experience imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. And it affects both men and women equally, that we often think that it's something that women experience more, but studies show that the blokes experience it too. And I know anecdotally from, or not anecdotally, but from, I do a lot of coaching with men and women in the corporate space, the leadership coaching, and men often say this same thing to me, that that they're not confident within themselves, even though it might look like they are, they don't feel confident. So some of the, the impacts that it can have is can cause lots and lots of stress, that it can lead to that almost anxiety and for some people a depression as well that they the fear of being exposed as a fraud can really take a, a toll on some people's mental health and it's, it can be a real thing for them i talked about those professional consequences people often that when they're experiencing the feeling of in being an imposter they avoid taking on maybe some more of those challenging tasks or pursuing new opportunities, and that can hinder their career advancement, but also their reputation as well. There's a senior leader that I worked with recently that super, super capable, probably one of the most capable leaders I've worked with for a long time, but the perception is that she's not performing at level because she doesn't appear to be confident. And so we've been working, we were working on, well, what does that actually mean for her and what does it look like for her to project confidence in the workplace? So professional competence and perfectionism, gosh, progress over perfectionism. I think there's a lot of women I know, probably see this more with women than the blokes, is those perfectionist tendencies to get things absolutely right and not being comfortable 
to do things that aren't to those standards that they're placing on themselves. That can lead to burnout. Holy hell, that can be hard to deal with. I, I, somebody had said to me that I was a perfectionist and I'm like, seriously, I would never consider myself as a perfectionist. I like things done a certain way. I like things done to a certain standard. I don't like to cut corners. Um, so yes, perhaps some perfectionist tendencies there. And, and I think that's okay to have, I'm not saying by any means lower your, actually maybe lower some of your standards, but it doesn't mean that you have to do a shitty half-assed job. It is about knowing when's enough and when are you overdoing, overcooking stuff. It can really stifle your creativity as well. There's been studies around that that it can stifle innovation and creativity and just also that's reduced self-esteem, that if we're really feeling like a fake and a fraud, it can erode our overall self-esteem and our self-worth and kind of going, well, what's the point kind of thing? So we don't want you to be there. You know, do you know what? <laughs> Some of these things are do as I say and not as I do. Imposter syndrome and my version of, you know, as I said before, I have a funny relationship with it now. It has been a major theme running through my life. It really has been. And to be honest, it still pops up. And it often pops up when I am least expecting it to. And for, for many of you, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, You'll know my story, that my mum passed away when I was young. So I was only 12, it was the day before my 12th birthday. And this had a devastating effect on my life. And one of the, the, the things that I reflect on is the duality of my life. On one hand, after mum passed away, I became very strong. I became very independent. I became very capable. That's because I had to get on and do life. I, I, they, you know, I didn't deal with my emotions for a very long time. I had no counselling after mum passed away. Um, I just did what I needed to do to survive. And that appeared to people that I was confident. And there might have been elements there, but it appeared to people that I was confident and capable and things were okay in life. But on the inside, it was just a completely different story. I was a quivering mess. I was numb, I was confused, I was had this concoction of emotions that I didn't even know what they were, I was angry, I was sad, but I suppressed all of that. I just suppressed because I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what they were and I didn't know how to deal with them. So I I was confused and definitely did not see, let alone believe, in any of those positive qualities that I had. So externally, quite capable, getting on with life. Internally, quivering, quivering mess. Self-doubt, questioning, not self-loathing, self-critical, I would say, self-critical. And there was also this other theme, like there's so much stuff, I'm just conscious of the time that we've got here, but there's so much stuff that impacts. And one of the kind of messages that after reflecting and lots and lots of work that I've done. But one of the messages that I'd picked up in my younger years was it's not okay to be successful because the way that my father had spoken about other people who in my eyes were very successful was quite derogatory. 
Like the, 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 the saying was, oh, they're posers. They've got a new car because they're posers. It's like, really? We've got a new car. Just because their car's a different model to ours, does that mean that they're a poser? Oh, they've got this really nice big house. They're a poser. So I took this message to mean that it's not okay to be successful because it was a bad thing to achieve good things in life. That was sort of this subconscious message that, that I'd taken away. And the flow on effect of these views that I had on myself meant that I got on with life, absolutely got on with life. But I second guessed just about everything that I did in life to a kind of a certain point, how I lived, what I was going to do for work, being in relationships, being a wife and a mother, starting my own business, blah, 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 blah. I second guessed everything. That was the flow on effect that it had for me. Being competent, so I still, I progressed in my career and I've achieved really great things in my career and my business. I've still, I've held myself back. I've played it safe and I've played it small at times out of fear. And the things that go through my head are being like, well, what the fuck do people see in me? Like, why would they want to work with me? And that was a really big thing when I started my business. So I've been in in business for myself for, I think, 13 years in a, a coach coaching training business. And I was a senior leader in a training organization prior to I started my business. And I was bringing in truckloads of business for them and managing our team of consultants. And I was like really very, very successful and had a great reputation in that business. When I had this calling to start my own business, things just completely flipped. I'm like, who would actually want to do business with me? If I went in and started my own business, who would even want to do work with me? And it was just this weird, weird, weird way of thinking because here I was just working for another organization under another name, but I was bringing in lots and lots of business, doing lots of great things. Yet if I was going to do that for myself, my whole view of myself changed. And it was just like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. And it probably took me about 12 months to get over myself, in all honesty, to build up the courage to actually start my own business. And there was a lot of work on that thought about who would want to work with me. Did a lot of, man, a lot of, a lot of work on that. And some of you may, I've mentioned it in other podcasts, I'm sure, but I was a stylist. I had a business as a stylist for, it was a, short stint, maybe a year, year or so, because that's what I really, really, really loved. And I studied and I started as a, a stylist, but I wasn't my confidence then. And talk about imposter syndrome. I wasn't able to differentiate myself from the business. So when people said, oh, no, thanks, not not interested, I took that personally. I took that to have meaning about me that what I wasn't good at what I was doing because otherwise they would want to do business with me. And it was weird because I had evidence didn't support that at all. I scored this really cool, cool gig with Australia Post here in Australia. And it was a corporate gig as a stylist. Oh my God, this was amazing. And it would have led on to some other amazing opportunities, but I 
didn't pursue those because of my own self-doubt. It was really going, nah, that's just way too stressful for me because they'll find out that, you know, who am I to do this? So, so I didn't pursue that as a business. But when I started my coaching business, I seriously considered whether I would do that or not and chose not to. That's a, that's another story. Anyway, but one of the really big breakthrough moments came for me is I recall when I was studying one of my coaching qualifications and it was a three week intensive. It was a big, big and complex bit that we were studying the NLP components, a whole lot of, a whole lot of stuff. And there was a major exam and they said that to us on day one saying that, you know, there's going to be this three week block of study and then you need to do a major exam to pass and you've got to get a certain percentage. And I just felt my heart in my throat going, Oh, thanks very much for putting that stress on me right up front. I think I possibly would have preferred that you let me know at the end because studying was a struggle for me. At school, I was, it was hard. School was really, really, really hard. And I know now that a lot of that is the, the flow on effects of the trauma after mum had passed away. And so I kind of just, I, I, I went to school most days, well, a lot of days. Academically, it was challenging. It was really, really challenging. So I never saw university as a pathway for me. And then when I fast forwarded into, you know, found myself working in the training and development roles, university became an option and I went, but it was hard. It was, I had all the ideas the studying aspect was really, really challenging. And so going into this coaching qual and they said that there was a major exam, it was just like, oh, I'm just not going to be able to do it. Like, who am I to, I may as well maybe pull out of this course. And it cost like it was a bloody, it cost a lot. So these were the thoughts kind of going, oh, how can I, pull out of this how can I get out of this anyway fast forward went to the exam and I loved what I was studying I loved what I was studying I learned some really cool study techniques that I didn't know when I was back at school or even at university I learned some really cool study techniques because that's what we were teaching that's what we're learning to teach other people to use so we were learning it for ourselves so incredible study techniques and I was feeling confident. It was kind of like, oh, this is different. I'd associated learning, school, studying as being hard and difficult. This feels different. So I started to notice a difference and I felt relatively confident going into that exam. And then at the end of the program, guess what? There was about a hundred people participating in this coaching call. Guess who topped that exam out of a hundred people? Me, I got 99%. And when I was talking with others that that was, there was quite a gap, 99%. Then I think it was the next highest might have been about 90%. And I was just like, Oh my God, I could feel a difference through my whole body, but there still came this little bit of going, really? Did they add that up? Right. Did they get my name confused with somebody else's? And I did ask them that question. <laughs> I said, are you sure? Are you sure? And they said, absolutely, Catherine, you smashed it. And the one thing, the 1% was just like a, not a really big deal anyway. So 
so I could see then that I was capable of things. I think that's probably the first, oh, was that the first time? No, I don't know if that was the first time, but my memory's not quite as vivid as it used to be. That's the memory that stands out for me that was quite a pivotal point in certainly the the career side of things, that it's not only could I see that I was capable, I knew that I was capable. And I guess when those little feelings of self-doubt and the little gremlins of, you know, niggly little gremlins of second-guessing myself, they're still there. They're absolutely still there, but not they're not as loud as they used to be. But when they do whisper to me, I think about those experiences because I've anchored those in. Now, I've anchored them in as being a turning point and a positive point for me in letting go of those limitations that I've been placing on myself. And, you know, some people are are just wired to be more confident than than others. And I think it's about self-awareness for me is a really big thing. So some tips, I guess, about boosting your confidence and managing the gremlins and that annoying imposter syndrome The first thing for me is about being true to myself. It's about when I'm being true to me, when I'm not pretending to be somebody else or pretending that I've got the answers or thinking, oh, fuck, I've got to show that I know everything and trying to prove myself, that's when the pressure starts. So it's about really being me because when I'm being me, I'm not being a fake and I'm not being a fraud. So it takes the pressure off that I feel that I'm going to be found out as a fake or a fraud. So that this is where my change in imposter syndrome, people still feel like that. But if we be ourselves, then we're not being an imposter. We're not imposter. We're just being ourselves. And you might not like that. That's okay. But I'm being myself. I'm not putting this pressure on myself. Self-awareness is absolutely key. Self-awareness is is so key. And it's about really learning to recognise those feelings that you get, those whether we want to call them imposter feelings. What are they? What comes up for you? Is it this feeling in your body? Is it a thought that you get? What's actually coming up for you? Is it in certain situations that get you feeling like that? Is it just at a particular meeting with a particular group of people? Or is it just anything to do with work? Is it in work or is it in all areas of life? Is it at certain times of the day? Is it certain times of the week? Is it certain times of the month? Is it Just what's going on? Just really be self-aware. And a lot of women that I'm doing work with now, they're similar demographic to me. They're perimenopause or or postmenopause. And they often say the cloudiness, the fogginess in the mind leads them to second-guessing themselves because they're not thinking as clearly as they once were. They're not able to articulate themselves as they once were. And it's about recognising that. And, you know, I don't believe that we need to spill our guts in every situation and tell everything, everybody, everything that's going on. But sometimes it even just saying, oh, my God, just (laughs) I've got a mental blank there. Give us a sec. We don't have to be, you know, operating at a gazillion percent all the time. 
So self-awareness is key. And if you start to notice some patterns about what's going on, what I do is if I notice those niggliness of self-doubt and things happening, I go, oh, that's really interesting. Why am I feeling like this? Is it because I don't know my stuff? Like I legitimately don't know and I need to, to put in a little bit more effort there. You know, sometimes that's the thing. Getting more competent can help you be more confident. But sometimes you can overdo that as well. But it's like, oh, that's interesting. Why am I feeling like this? Or why am I thinking this? What do I want to be feeling or thinking instead? And what can I do to feel or think that? That's a like a little circuit breaker. Instead of just going, oh, fuck my life, excuse me, goodness, my life, (laughs) everything's terrible and bad and hopeless. It's just like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'm feeling like it because I didn't prepare enough or I didn't get enough good night's sleep the night before. Or maybe my hormones are just doing some really random things at the moment and I need to go and get a physical checkup around things. Another step is take the pressure off yourself. Oh, my God, are you setting those impossibly high standards or is somebody else? I would probably say that it's you. So, sure, do a great job, but take some of that pressure off, gorgeous. That's, yeah, really, take some pressure off. Challenge your negative thoughts. So reframe your thinking. That's like what I was saying before. Why am I thinking this? What am I thinking? Why am I thinking this? What do I want to be thinking instead? Or how could I, how could I look at this from a different perspective? Also think, what are you missing out on? What is your lack of confidence, low confidence, feeling like a fake or a fraud, low self-esteem? What are you actually missing out on in life? There's probably lots of things. I know, and we'll talk more about this in the episode about body positivity, but I know that there are a lot of my gorgeous friends that have missed out on some amazing opportunities of being fun times because they were worried about what they look like in a cosy. But anyway, we'll talk about that in another episode. Practice self-compassion. Be kind. Be be kind to yourself and really prioritize self-care. Like if you're being that superwoman and doing all the things to prove yourself to others, really, what for what end? And at what expense to you and what expense to the other people in your life and also the expense of people at work for you. Often we have, I didn't say it there, but imposter syndrome can often lead to that people pleasing and it's doing things because you want people to like you as well. It's just like they're going to like you. You just don't need to run yourself into the ground for them to like you. So think about the the levels of stress that it's causing you. And where can you actually be kinder to yourself? Be your own best friend and supporter. And if you're treating yourself like shit, what do you think other people are going to expect from you or treat you? How do you think they're going to treat you? So be kind, be nice, take the pressure off and really challenge those thoughts around what what you're thinking around things. I would highly encourage you to. If you have a mentor or somebody that you can chat with about things, sometimes just knowing that you're not on your own is really cool. Sometimes knowing how other people have dealt with things, that you can get some strategies in how you can do things. Come and see me. Oh, my gosh. Come and see me. That's what I do to help you with. So 
This is, the, as I said, this is the first in the four-part series about confidence. This is really just the intro stuff about confidence, the imposter syndrome, and it's about thinking, how do, what does confidence mean to you? How is it playing out in your life? Is it enhancing your life? Is it helping you? Happy days. Keep doing that. If it's actually holding you back in any areas of life, think about why it's holding you back. What is it that's actually holding you back? What's the thing that you are worried about? What is it that you're worried about? And what are those decisions that are going with it, those limiting beliefs and limiting decisions that go with it? So you can, you, you can absolutely move through this. And I would suggest that you think about what's even one thing that you could do that might help you to move along your continuum of your, your comfort zone or your confidence zone. So what's one thing that you could do that will just stretch that muscle a little bit? Now, for some of you, you will do the big jump and leap. Go for it. I'm not always a big jump and leap kind of girl. I'm a little bit put my toe in the water and then just get comfy with that bit and then put my next toe in and then I can do a bit more of a jump and a leap. Depends what it is, but I'm generally a little bit more of a put the safety nets in place, (laughs) but it is about doing something, doing something. If you want something different in your life, you've got to do something different in your life. So thank you so much for listening. I would love you to provide any of your comments and engage with what confidence means to you. I would really love that. So either on wherever you're listening to the the podcast, you can provide your comments there. If you're watching on YouTube, provide your comments there or even just shout out on socials and we can continue that conversation. Um, so the next episode in the confidence series is diving into being the confidence to be you. I'm going to talk more about that. And if you'd like some additional information, so some of the stuff that we've talked about here, but also some different information, I've got a little free resource. It's called the Imposter Survival Kit, and there are tips there for you to work through. So if you go to impostorsurvivalkit.com, the link will be in the show notes as well. You'll get that free resource and that'll have some of what we've talked about, some of what we're going to talk about and just some other stuff there as well. So hugs and happiness and oodles and oodles of confidence going your way. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.